Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks, and welcome today to our online internet church service. I am so happy that you're here, and I invite you to grab your Bibles and join me today as we open up the Word of God and the Holy Spirit brings the Word of God into its living reality that it actually is. Praise God. It's the living Word. This is our daily bread. This is the food that we live by, which is God's Word. Now, today, let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Second Chronicles, chapter 1. Uh, we're going to spend some time today in this book of Second Chronicles. Let's turn to chapter 1. Let's drop down to verse 7, and we're going to receive the tithes and offerings. We're going to bring them into the storehouse of God. But let me just give you a couple of scriptures from chapter 1 that will really help you with your money and with your finances. Second Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, On that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask, what shall I give you? Now, I, I know that we've read the story, we know what he's going to ask for, but I would still have to think that if the Lord Jesus appeared in a vision to many of God's people and said, uh, what do you want? I'll take your order right now. Anything you ask, you know, I'm God. I have the ability to cash the check. What is it you want? I think a lot of people would ask for money. Even though they know the story about Solomon, he's going to ask for wisdom and for knowledge. I think even still having read the story and heard of it uh, in church and ministers teach on it, I, I think still probably 95% of Christians would still ask for money. Why? Why would they do that when they know that Solomon went a different route and ended up with all the money? They, they just still don't understand the power of God's wisdom. That God's wisdom, which is the wisdom that is above all wisdom, is so amazing that if you have wisdom, the wisdom of God, you're going to get, you're going to get everything else. But I think even still, having said that, and you know, this having been taught, not just by myself, but by other good ministers, I still think most Christians would ask God for money. If Jesus appeared to them and said, what is it? What do you want? Uh, just like he did to Solomon. Well, let's talk about this for a few minutes. Verse 10, here's the response. Now give me wisdom and knowledge. He said a few things before that just to basically, in a sense, acknowledge the Lord's coming, uh, and His appreciation for that, and just for the opportunity to have this uh, special moment. Then He goes into His answer to the Lord, now give me wisdom and knowledge. But because after all, if He's going to ask you, uh, uh, what is it you want? You need to have a response, because He's presenting it to you. It'd be rude to say, uh, well, Lord, I don't need anything. That's just a bunch of false humility. Sometimes you see that in the church as well. But when you do have the Lord asking you a question, particularly wanting to give you something, there does need to be a, uh, you know, an honest response from our heart. Solomon says, now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people for, for who can judge this great people of yours. Well, if you had to lead a couple of million people, that's definitely something that you would want. Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself, that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings 
have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. Well, we know that out of this vision experience he had with the Lord, that, um, you know, it's just the very next moment when he's reigning as king. And, you know, when people say, well, you know, how do we know he really got something? Well, it was proven within within just, you know, like a few hours of waking up after this uh, encounter with the Lord through a, through a dream, a vision at night. Because uh, right after that, you have the, the two harlots that came before Solomon to get judgment. Because, you know, they were both asleep at night, and basically one rolled over on the child and killed the child, and you know, then there was the swap. And then it's like, who does the, who does the baby really belong to? Because we're hearing two different stories here. And the wisdom of Solomon was displayed right there in front of the people. And when they saw his answer, when they saw what he did that proved who was the real mother, well, they, they're like, well, he's got it. He's, he's got wisdom. So you really need to go after the wisdom of God because it will help you. And that, that's an understatement, but it will help you dramatically with your money. You can make a good income. You can have a lot of money coming in, a strong income stream. You can even have money coming in from multiple streams, but still have a mess because just of a lack of wisdom of how to appropriate the money, how to make proper application with what's given to you. Uh, you need the wisdom of God, not just to see uh, prosperity generated, but to also see it preserved and to see it multiplied, to see it properly stewarded. So I want to encourage you to go after the wisdom of God. Even in the New Testament, when you see the prayers of Paul, which are prayers that are inspired by the Holy Spirit, which is why you can still pray them today for yourself and for others. But the really the greatest prayer is Ephesians chapter 1, and it is a prayer that God the Father would give to us the spirit of what? Wisdom. That's the first thing. And the first uh, uh, prayer mentioned in the epistles. But the first thing that comes up is that we would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, revelation being the pulling back of a veil, in the knowledge of Him. Who is Him? Jesus. So the number one prayer uh, from a New Testament perspective starts out with, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. Wow. What, in other words, what would Jesus do with the money if the money were in his hands? How would Jesus spend it? How would he save it? How would he tithe? How would he sow seed? How would he give offerings? Because he just got it right every single time. And if you'll tie into his wisdom, you'll start getting it right every single time as well. So, um, you know, pursue the Lord for wisdom. And when, because, you know, he's not going to give you what you can't handle. Uh, I, I know the lottery system out there doesn't tell you that. And I know the world doesn't tell you that. The world just tells you just, just get it and then figure out what to do with it. Uh, no, no business operates that on principles like that. Mm -mm. You have to know what you're doing. Uh, no, no gigantic corporation is going to elect a new CEO who doesn't know where to take the company to have a plan for how to get the company into that place of greater prosperity. 
No, uh, the, no, no corporation rewards anybody like that. God doesn't reward anybody like that. Um, the lottery system is a fraudulent system. I think, I think when states, and I know our, our state does, North Carolina has, an, has a state lottery. I think when a state does that, they're actually abusing their own people. I think it's awful because you're preying on the ignorance of people. You're preying on the um, unenlightenment of people. And I, I wish states wouldn't do that. But, you know, they're, they're taking advantage of people's ignorance for those that are foolish enough to engage in such a uh, rigged system, rigged against them. But, you know, uh, the, the people do things like that because they don't know God. They don't, even if they're Christians, they don't know the power of the covenant. So they're just trying anything to get ahead. And if you will walk in the wisdom of God, which is very contrary to the wisdom of the world, you will begin to tap into an unshakable source, and that source is God. And every blessing originates from Him and flows from Him. If you tie into Him, now you're on solid ground. Regardless of, of the recessions and the market swings, uh, the up and down cycles of the economy that, it's, that it goes through, God will help you to stay on top uh, every single time. But stop and think about the wisdom of God just for a moment. When Isaac was facing a situation when there was famine in the land, Isaac, with the wisdom of God, went out and sowed during times of famine. What did the Philistines do? The Philistines representing the knowledge of the world, the wisdom of the world, and the world's way of doing things, they laughed at him. They probably thought he lost his mind. But uh, their laughter turned to jealousy when they saw the tremendous harvest that God gave him, literally a hundred fold. And suddenly they're not laughing. But th don't expect the Philistines to understand it. Don't expect the world to understand the wisdom of God. It's veiled from them, just as the gospel is veiled from them. And so our job is to preach the gospel to them. And as people come into the gospel, they get saved, they're born again. Then as they continue to seek the Lord, the Lord begins to unlock the covenant to those, talking about the covenant of prosperity, the covenant that gets you into the blessings of God. He begins to unveil it to those who are hungry and who seek uh, him with all of their hearts. Praise the Lord forever. But the wisdom of God is very contrary in many ways to what the world does. So while we're in the world, we're not of the world. We're operating on a higher a higher standard. We're operating on a higher system. Actually, it's much higher. It's designed for eternity. Praise the Lord. And all of this knowledge in God, in Christ, begins at the point of salvation. So if you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you need to ask Him to come into your heart right now, wash your sins away, and receive Him by faith as your Lord and Savior, and you begin to get on the true blessing path that leads to heaven. Glory to God. And for those of you that are already in Christ, don't play the gimmicks. Don't play all the things out there that are really only profiting those who are pushing all the uh, you know, all the trinkets of the world and all the, you know, whether it's the lottery system or whether it's, you know, you know, some kind of penny stock. You know, I, I heard Christians the other day talking about a penny stock, which I thought was silly. And then I found out which stock, stock they're talking about. And of course it would have, it would have, it would happen to be a cannabis stock. So here, here's the desperate Christians who won't work the covenant. So they're over here messing with the penny stock and the one, you know, you shouldn't be messing with junk like that unless the Holy Spirit told you to, but it's, that's really junk. You know, no, no serious investors are going to touch stuff like that. But uh, of all the stocks they're putting their money in, they're, they're, they're investing in the marijuana. Why? They, they, they just don't know the covenant, so they're just desperate. They're trying all kinds of uh, crazy, 
crazy uh, harebrained schemes to get money. Uh, the last thing you'll see believers doing, the last thing you'll see believers doing who play the lottery and are just trying to get rich through whatever it takes to do it, the last thing you'll ever see them do is sow in a time of famine. They'll agree with the world. That's crazy. And that's why they're blocked. That's why they don't ever step into the rich blessings. They're just always messing around with the Philistine stuff. Praise God. My friends, I want to encourage you, get on God's system, begins with salvation, but then the salva the, that salvation, salvation ties you into the eternal life of Christ. There's two sides of Jesus. There's the person of Jesus that creates your peace, but there are the principles of Jesus. That's what creates your prosperity. And you can be saved and on your way to heaven and be broke or be suffering financially or never have enough money or have some, but it's just, you know, you know, you're swimming in the shallow end of the pool. But really the way you get into the rich blessing is you work his principles because it's his principles that create your prosperity. Praise the Lord. Okay. So jump into the deep end of the pool today, be a tither and sow seed as the Holy Spirit leads you to do so. Praise God. Hallelujah. The tithe, by the way, for those that may not know, is 10% of all the money, of all the wealth that would come into your life. Uh, uh, even if you sold something at the garage sale, God says a tenth of that is mine. Praise God. So honor the Lord, and you'll start going up, and uh, you'll start also seeing how, how you, you don't need all of the junk of the world. You don't need to do harebrained schemes. You don't need to do wild, crazy ideas. Just work the covenant. Work the covenant, and God will start lifting you up. All right, so let's bring the tithes and offerings now into the storehouse of God so that the gospel may be preached into the four corners of the world. Hallelujah. If you're mailing your tithes and offerings in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Our zip code is 28655. Four. If you want to bring the tithes and offerings in online, it's very secure. It's encrypted giving. You can do so day or night. Please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There is a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap, and you can give, you can go right there and give right now, and it will come directly into the ministry storehouse, and we will use it to continue to preach the good news of Jesus that He saves. He delivers, He heals, He blesses. We'll continue to preach the gospel all around the world. Thank you for your partnership with this ministry, and thank you also for bringing your tithes into the storehouse, because that is God's system, and we choose to obey and follow His kingdom principles. Now let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, bless your people. I thank you that they are tithers, they are givers, and I thank you that you unveil the covenant of prosperity to them, and they, they walk in it. And Father, I thank you that they are blessed. Give them the best jobs. Give them the best work. Give them bonuses. Give them increases. Give them favor. Give them inheritances. Father God, let prosperity come to them in multiple streams. We thank you, Father God. And I thank you that they're faithful to tithe off every, uh, uh, every dollar, every euro, every uh, whatever it might be, peso or wand or shekel that comes into their life. We thank you, Father God, that they are quick to bring the tithe into the storehouse, and your people are blessed. Now, Father, we thank you 
that we thank you. Your Father, I thank you. Your people are so blessed they can't even hide it. it just, it's just all over them. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. And today around the world, we say as a church family, we say amen. Praise God. All right, let's stay today in the book of Second Chronicles. Let's move over to chapter 32. Let's talk about good King Hezekiah. A good king, not a perfect king, but I, I would call him an excellent king. He was better than good. He, he was exceptional. He had a couple of flaws, though, that hindered him from not only his own life, his own walk with the Lord going to a higher level, but really as a king, he had the ability to lift the nation into a higher level. Did he do good? Yes. Could greater manifestations of God's glory have been seen? Yes, and so that's what we're going for. We don't, we, we don't want to just go halfway up Mount Zion. We want to go all the way up uh, to Mount Zion. We, we don't just want to say, hey, I, I speak in tongues now. I got filled with the Spirit. I've, I've maxed out the spiritual experience. No, you haven't. You're just getting, you're just getting started because the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit uh, relates to Pentecost. And you see that that was, you know, that was something that took place while they were still in the wilderness. But you must cross the Jordan. That is the crucified life. And then you must go into the land that God has for you. But you must possess it. You must inherit it. And uh, that's the walk of faith. And you must, you must eventually do what David did. Get to Zion and capture it. Praise God. So we don't, want to, we don't want to stop halfway up the mountain. We want to go all the way to the top. We want to fulfill and do all that God has called us to do. Praise God. We are today in Second Chronicles chapter 32. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we're in Your Word, uh, as we are disciples and students of Your Word, let Your Holy Spirit come now and unveil the Scriptures to us. Let him teach by the anointing that he brings that there just be due fresh anointing upon this message today so that we can take it, Father, today and apply it to our lives and not repeat the mistake that Hezekiah made twice. So, Father, I just thank you. And I'm prophesying over your people, Father, that they're going to get it right from the first go. And we just give you praise. We thank you that you're the God of the second chance, and if a second chance is needed, we'll certainly get it right then. But we just thank you, Father, you're helping us. You are really helping us, and we yield to the leading of your Spirit and to the guidance of your Word. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, Heavenly Father, for your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please shout and say amen. We're in Second Chronicles. We're in chapter 32. And today let's go down to this is so good there's so much in here that's so good let's go to verse 24 in those days Hezekiah was sick and near death and he prayed to the Lord and he spoke to him and gave him a sign well there's there's more to the story let me just bring you up to speed a little bit the nation of Israel had been under siege. King Sennacherib has sent his mighty army 
into the land of Israel, not the land of Palestine. Don't, don't, please don't ever call Israel Palestine. That's an insult to any knowledgeable Jewish person. <laughs> if you want to lose favor in the eyes of an Israeli Jew, well then call, call Israel Palestine. But please call it by its biblical name, and please call it by what God calls it. He calls it the nation of Israel. That's, that land belongs to the Jews. That land is the nation of Israel. Okay, so King Sennacherib invades Israel with his mighty army. He begins to decimate all the cities and all the towns. He captures them. He plunders them. He puts the people to the sword. He's getting closer and closer to Jerusalem. Every other major city has fallen or has fallen, and he gets all the way to Mount Scopus, which is right there in Jerusalem. It's, it's on the Mount of Olives, and from the Mount of Olives you can see the city of Jerusalem laid out. And uh, you know he's he's just like I've got you, and I've just like I've taken uh, all these other cities of Israel and all of the other cities of the Middle East. He said I'm taking Jerusalem, and nothing's going to stop me. His ambassador began to mock and blaspheme God uh, before the 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 children of Israel there in the city of Jerusalem, and King Hezekiah was like, whoo, our backs are against the wall, God, you're going to have to do a miracle, because uh, he looks like he's unstoppable. Not only that, he's a big mouth. He's an arrogant. This, this guy is like, where did he learn to talk like that, from Goliath? I mean, this guy is just full of the devil. Um, but Hezekiah uh, had some good help. And my friends, it's always good to have a prophet in your corner. By the way, I'm in your corner, and I'm prophesying over your life that you will succeed, and you will not fail, and you will rise to the top, and that you are blessed to be a blessing. Well, King Hezekiah had a heavyweight in the corner named Isaiah the prophet. And it was Isaiah praying and prophesying and praying and prophesying that got Israel through a very dark hour. And he said, the, the prophet said, that big mouth, arrogant king, who was actually an instrument in the hands of God, but has overstepped the boundaries that God intended for him to use. See, seeing King Sennacherib was just a, 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 a discipline rod that God was using to discipline his rebellious and disobedient people. But King, king Sennacherib just went overboard and went past the, the realm of discipline and got into the area of just really humiliating God's people, and God was very angry about that. And so Isaiah said, God's going to deal with him, and God's going to strike him down, God's going to cut him down, He's going to deal with Sennacherib's arrogant heart. And, he, and Isaiah prophesied, although he's close, he's not even going to shoot an arrow against this city, he's going to be turned back in shame. And well, that was a wild prophecy, but it came to pass because it was the true word of the Lord. And the story is that God sent one angel, not two, not a whole army. He sent one angel, and that one angel went out there to the Assyrian camp and killed 185,000 of the best of their soldiers. That wasn't their whole army. That was just the best of them. And uh, just that angel just cut them all down. And so when all the uh, other soldiers woke up and saw that most of their comrades were dead, especially all the leaders and the strongest men, that, you know, they were just like, there's no way we can fight against Jerusalem now. And so they turned around, they went back, and Sennacherib went back in total shame, humiliated with his head down. And not only that, when he got back, and uh, sometime later was worshiping in his own temple back in his home country, 
uh, which would have been in Iraq. When he got back, his own sons murdered him there in the temple of the false god that he had put his faith and trust in. So my friends, God's done a lot already for Hezekiah, and Hezekiah has also received a miracle healing because he got sick. He had a boil um, that was so severe and bad that um, I believe it created also blood poisoning in his body, and uh, he, you know, he's just on death's edge. And so the prophet Isaiah came and said, put your house in order. You are going to die. And he turned around and walked out. But before the prophet could even get out of the court area of the palace, um, Hezekiah was in there just saying, God, you know, Lord, I've done my best to live for you and serve you. And we've gone through a lot together and you delivered me from Sennacherib. And now, Lord, that I, you know, uh, we, we have this, you know, uh, breathing room and this freedom. I don't want to die. I really want to live for you. And uh, you know what? God said, because you cried out to me, and you've, you know, you've turned your eyes towards me. He said, I'm going to give you 15 more years. And so before Isaiah could even get out of the king's court, the word, the word of the Lord, the prophetic word came to the prophet and he turned right back around and told, told the king, thus says the Lord, basically, you shall live, you're going to live. And he uh, gave him a supernatural healing portion, uh, a remedy. I'm not saying, uh, you know, put a lump of figs on your, you know, cut or your wound. It might not turn out too good. That was a supernatural word of wisdom for, uh, for a healing remedy. It was blessed of the Lord. The next thing you know, the king's back on his feet. So God has done a lot for King Hezekiah. I think it's very important that you understand that in the light of what is about to unfold now. Praise God. Verse 25, but Hezekiah did not repay according to the favor shown him. What's the favor? Well, here's the favor. Hey, King Hezekiah, you should be dead. You should, you should be grateful for what the Lord did. Matter of fact, you should hold a national celebration of just worship and praise, and why don't we just get a bunch of singers and praisers together and just thank God that you're not dead and in the ground, and that your soul would have gone to paradise, but you know, your life would have been over. But well, King, why don't you praise God and thank God for what He did? Wow, you really should have been more thankful and appreciative for how God delivered you from sin and chair. That's not a small thing when everybody else is biting the dust. And you got delivered, God sent an angel. Hey, th th this is special stuff God's doing for you. And you're on death's bed, and God raised you up. Why would you be prideful? Well, he did not return the wonderful favor by showing kindness and appreciation and proclaiming the goodness of the Lord. And it says, For his heart was lifted up. Really? Really? You actually think those figs, that lump of figs they put on the boil, do you think that actually healed you? You actually think maybe all those soldiers, 185,000 of them died. Maybe they had a, maybe they all had a heart attack. I mean, come on, give the glory to the Lord. He's bailed you out. He's done a whole lot for you. How can you have your heart now lifted up with such pride now that you've escaped these, you know, duplicate difficulties? Shouldn't you be more appreciative? Well, he did not uh, repay according to the favor shown him. Yes, his heart was lifted up. Therefore, wrath was looming over him and over Judah and Jerusalem. What the, the king's ungratefulness was about to get him in a big mess, worse than anything he's faced before. And it's also now looming over Jerusalem and Judah. Because if you're the king, um, your decisions are going to affect other people. 
that is the responsibility that we face as leaders. Verse 26, he did the right thing. Hey, if you ever make a wrong exit, just get back on the freeway as fast as you can. And that's what he did. Verse 26, then Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart. I'm glad today that I'm not speaking to anybody that has an issue with pride. Ooh, Pastor Stephen, don't lie on the internet. Okay, I'm just playing around. Um, it's easy to slip into it. King David prayed, Lord, let not the foot of pride come against me. Watch out, because uh, when the blessing is going, and you know God's fighting your battles, and angels are doing great things, um, d- don't start thinking that's you, because maybe you're so good or something like that. It's God's blessing upon your life. Be appreciative, be thankful, but stay low. Stay low. I, I remember reading about one minister, a pastor Duma, in South Africa. Uh, how God used him to raise a young girl. I think she was 17 years old. She had been dead for four days, and everybody in the community knew she was dead. She was well loved, but she died, and the Lord uh, told him, Go raise her up. And he goes in the power of the Spirit, in the anointing of the Spirit, and raises her from the dead. And when the news of that went through the community, uh, it stunned the community, and suddenly, now, now there's journalists and newspapers all showing up from all over the place. And the Lord told him, he said, don't even talk to the newspapers, just disappear for a while, just go lay down for a while and stay humble, because the enemy is going to be very, very upset uh, of what took place, because it's going to bring a lot of glory to me, so you just go stay low profile for a while, and make sure that you stay very humble. And he did that, he was a very humble man, and God did mighty miracles for him. So Hezekiah is doing the right thing, he humbled himself for the pride of his heart. He and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I believe, I believe Jerusalem was a very arrogant city, full of arrogant, prideful people. Uh, that's, uh, remember also what it says in Proverbs, pride, pride comes before a destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. So if you're walking in pride or arrogance, you're going to get cut down. It's, there's just no question about it. Pride comes before a destruction. And a haughty, arrogant spirit comes before a fall. So we want to be people that walk in humility. He and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, uh, they humbled themselves, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. The Lord also knew that although He had delivered His people, there's still a lot of rebellion. There's still people worshiping at the high places. There's still people messing around with their idols and their, you know, their idolatry, and just not getting fully cleansed from all these areas of defilement. But nevertheless, King Hezekiah, he's doing the best he can to serve the Lord. There is a remnant that is actually on fire for God. So God, God's blessing them. And, you know, things are going in the right direction now. It, you know, if, they, if you made a mistake, hey, get it, get it right with God. And so he did. He got lifted up in pride, realized he was about to get chop sueyed, and he humbled himself. Okay? All right. Okay, so now you're, you're good to go. God's, God's, you and the Lord, everything's okay between you and the Lord. Uh, let's, let's endeavor to make sure, though, that doesn't happen again. Well, another opportunity is going to come. The enemy is going to test him again. Uh, let's find out what takes place. Verse 27, Hezekiah had very great riches and honor. Oh, so the blessing's flowing. Absolutely, the blessing of the Lord is flowing. Hezekiah has humbled himself. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So the blessing is there, and it's, it's pro- producing in very, very tangible ways. 
Hezekiah had very great riches. I like that. Not just riches, but very great riches and honor. And he made himself treasuries for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and for all kinds of desirable items. Moreover, he provided cities for himself, and possessions of flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very much uh, property. So we also see that property was one of the areas of the financial blessing that was upon his life. And may that also be something that you are led into by the Holy Spirit, which would be the ability to acquire property. Hallelujah. This same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of Upper Gihon and brought the water by tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. So he's involved in unique architectural engineering feats. Uh, those are still discussed today. If you go to Israel, go to Jerusalem, go to this ancient city of David, uh, you can see that they have now uncovered that well uh, and that that water channel, and you could actually walk up it and walk through it for quite a distance. Now verse 31, however, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, now watch this, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. All right, so what has happened in Israel has become such a phenomena that it's gone international. And the newspapers are talking about it. The reporters are very curious about it. They're getting their tickets to travel in to do documentaries about the wonder in the land. And so it's gone all the way to modern day Iraq. It's gone to Babylon. And the king of Babylon has heard about the wonder in the land of Israel. And he's sending his, his princes He's sending his sons, he's sending a special envoy, a delegation all the way to Israel. Why? They want to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. May God, through the Lord Jesus Christ in you, make your life a wonder that cannot be hidden. Now this word wonder in the, in, in the uh, Hebrew is the word mopheth. And it means, it means miracles and wonders of beauty and splendor. It is the Hebrew word mopheth, spelled M-O-W-P-H-E-T-H. It's a word that means miracles and wonders of beauty and splendor. And the outsiders, the Gentiles, had heard about the wonder that was done in the land May your life be so dedicated to the Lord, may your life be so blessed by God, that your life becomes a wonder. Hallelujah. May, may people look at you and say, wow, it's like God has done a wonder in your life. And then may they inquire about the wonder that has been done in your land or in your life. When people see God moving it brings inquiries from other believers. It brings inquiries from the Gentiles, from the unbelievers, from the outsiders. You must be prepared to give the right response. Praise the Lord. Now, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him, to Hezekiah, to inquire about the wonder that was done in your life, 
in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Praise God. Well, I know that there's probably a few that are probably thinking, Pastor Stephen, does God really test his people? Well, first of all, we know he does. He tests individuals, he can test a nation. But let's talk about God testing an individual. God here withdrew from Hezekiah in order to test him. How did you get out of high school? How did you graduate from high school? You graduated because you passed quite a few tests covering various subjects and you just kept taking tests. You kept passing them until eventually you graduated. That's how you got out by passing tests. Those of you that attended college and you graduated, you got your degree, your diploma. How did you, how did you get out of college or your, uh, your bachelor's, your master's, perhaps your doctorate? How did you do that? You did that by passing tests. They were not going to give you that piece of paper that is perhaps framed on your wall unless you did what? Passed numerous tests and you just kept passing tests, passing various tests until eventually uh, you passed enough of them and they said you fulfilled the requirements and you now get the diploma. Congratulations. And the honors, the, the uh, awards, and the empowerment that goes with that, the favor, the acknowledgement that goes with that. Now, this also carries on into your career field. Perhaps you want to be a doctor, maybe you want to be a brain surgeon. How do you get into that, uh, that room, that very special place where uh, you actually open up a person's head, their brain, and begin to operate on their brain? You have to pass a lot of tests. You just can't walk in there as a novice and say, you know what, I want to do this. Oh, well, you just go right ahead. We have an uh, open uh, surgery lab over here for those that just want to give it a shot. You just go right in there. And uh, who's going to be the patient? Well, uh, find somebody who's willing to be your guinea pig, and we'll just let you start slicing and dicing. No, it doesn't work like that. Why? Uh, nobody's nobody's going to ever go for something like that. Nobody's going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer, cut me open, and just start poking and probing and, uh, and get me fixed up. No, you'll come out a vegetable or you'll die there on this operating table. How do you get to a place like that where, you're, where you are authorized to do that? You have to pass a whole bunch of tests medical class, and uh, just on and on it goes. It's the same in every occupational field. You know, if you're a pilot, and you see that, you know, that beautiful 777 or 787 sitting there, Airbus 380, or whatever it might be, or, you know, a fighter jet, corporate, you know, aviation, and you want to fly the left seat, how you're going to end up, how are you going to end up in that left seat? You're going to do it by passing a lot of tests. Well, you, you know, you can't just say, hey, you know, give me a shot. I think I, I, think I can fly it. I had some flight simulation videos that I played on my personal computer on my laptop back at my house. Let me fly it. No, they're never going to let you fly it. You have to be authorized to fly it. You have to be certified. You have to have type recognition in that aircraft. And it takes a lot of study, a lot of study before you get in the place where you are authorized to do that. Because why? You've passed the test. And if you don't pass the test, uh, you're not going to be allowed to uh, move forward in that field of occupation. It's the same in every area. You have to pass tests. He passed, uh, he passed other tests in life, but when it came time for very special areas of blessing, the first big test he failed because being delivered from Sennacherib's army, which it's like going up against a football team that had a record of 100 and 0. 
they've never ever lost before and they're coming up against you as a very small team and you don't have a chance in the world well Hezekiah's team defeated the you know superhuman team they defeated them and yet Hezekiah didn't didn't take it to heart of what God had done for him and he, he just got lifted up in pride and then here's a, here's a guy about ready to die and God, you know, he calls out the God, and God gives him 15 more years, and he still doesn't show any appreciation, and he gets lifted up in pride, and doesn't give any glory to the Lord. So he totally flopped. When he got on the big playing field, he totally, he totally missed it. Well, he repented, he got right with God. Now the blessing's flowing, but here comes test number two. I believe that if he would have gotten this test right, he could have taken the nation of Israel into, into realms where only David and, and uh, Solomon took it, because he was touching it. He was on the fringe of greatness, and he already had international fame. But he, he, look, look, there's always a higher level, and God wanted to get him there, but you have to be you have to be real solid in the Lord to walk in those places. Praise God. Now let's watch what took place. It says that that when they came, the envoys came to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him. God withdrew. No anointing. Uh, uh, what I'm talking about, like a uh, tangible anointing, no tangible presence, no angel feathers falling down, uh, no supernatural phenomena taking place. What do you do then? Okay, now you must operate by principle. You must obey biblical principles. This is what gets you there. This is what sustains you. All the other stuff is icing on the cake, and God will give you the icing, and He'll give it on your cake thick, and not the cheap. What's that cheap icing? Sometimes these like supermarkets put on the top of the cake because it's real cheap. It's just like it's just like a bunch of sugar water. But nobody wants that cheap icing. You want the buttercream icing. That's the that's the prosperity icing. That's, that's the way God puts it on. He puts on the thick buttercream icing, and it tastes, you know, vastly different from that cheap stuff. Praise the Lord. Okay, so let's look at what took place here. They're wanting to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land. Hmm. They're going to be talking to him one-on-one. -on -one. They show up. The conversation begins. And now they want to talk about the wonder in the land. First of all, we need to cover that. What was the wonder that was done in the land? It's a package deal. It was a package deal. The number one thing that they had heard about was this incredible flow of prosperity. Just, just money flowing in, in Hezekiah's kingdom like crazy. It's like a successful corporation other corporations are going to look at that and they're going to they're going to discuss in their boardroom what are they doing we're in the same field we're selling the same product why are they so successful how are they doing so well what is it that they're doing that we're not doing because everybody wants to follow a successful leader everybody wants to rub shoulders with the winner with the champion so they had heard about all of this phenomenal prosperity, Hezekiah with great riches, and he's got, he's got so, he has so much uh, precious metals, he's got to make storehouses for all of his silver and gold, and, uh, and, and precious stones of diamonds and emeralds, and, and onyx, and sapphires, and spices, 
Uh, back in that day, pepper was the big thing. If you had pepper, you were the hot shot. Uh, the pepper was very, very rare. So to have pepper and these various wonderful spices that made your food taste good. Uh, oh, he had it all in shields and all kinds of desirable items. You would say the Rolls Royces and the Bentleys and the, you know, all, all just he had everything. He had everything, storehouses for all of his harvest. So they are incoming. The, uh, the, the envoys are coming to inquire about the wonder in your land, in the land. And uh, they want to, they want you uh, to explain to them, how is this prosperity flowing so fluently in your life. Don't expect them to understand it when you say it's the blessing of the Lord because they don't understand that. But let me tell you this, you sure enough had better tell it. Don't you act like you're so smart that it's your smartness or your IQ that's generating all this. You better tell them it's the blessing of the Lord. Well, Pastor Stephen, they're just a bunch of unsaved people. They're not going to understand that. That's not the point. The point is you better be giving credit and glory to the Lord or else you're going to find yourself having flunked. That means failed horribly. A very, very important test. God's standing back, withdrawing His presence, watching, talking, uh, you know, a Holy Trinity Council meeting, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uh, with the angels there, and they're, they're watching, and they're thinking, I wonder what He's going to do. Is He going to get it right this time? Oh my goodness, because God wants to bless you and take you to a higher level. Don't think just because you got a new car that you've reached the apex of a prosperity. God, God can take you a lot farther than a new car. Or maybe you got your house paid off, or you got out of debt. Uh, that, that God can take you way beyond those levels of blessing. There are different levels of blessing. God wants to move you out there into the deep blue Pacific water of deep blessing. Hallelujah. So they came to talk about the wonder in the land. The wonder in the land was primarily four parts of a mega blessing, a package deal that God was doing in Hezekiah's life. Number one, the heavy flow of prosperity. Number two, and this was a big one for the Babylonians, the, this was the sundial going back 10 degrees. When Isaiah said, you're, you're, you're going to have 15 more years added to your life, and God says, I'm going to give you a sign. He'll give you a sign. Do you want the sundial to go backwards or forward? And the king said, well, to go forward, uh, that's kind of an easy thing. In other words, something could happen, maybe some type of a, you know, time acceleration or something like that. But hey, everybody knows you can't get in a time machine and go back in time. Oh, really? And so he says, he said, let God make the sundial go backwards. And God, God took it back. Ooh, mmm. Can you time travel? Is it possible to time travel? Mm. I, I, I dove into that one time. I had no idea there was an astrophysicist sitting in the meeting. He and his wife are both astrophysicists with PhDs in physics. And I started getting into that. And when I was done, they said, they said, Pastor Stephen, this is the kind of teaching we need in the scientific community. He said, you're unraveling secrets of the universe. Well, it wasn't me, it was the Holy Spirit. I just started talking about those things, but you can, you can time travel, but only in the spirit. You can go back in the spirit, Ooh, glory to God, but you can't go back naturally. God can do some things with natural science, 
but it's going to take me a, a while to unpack that. So let me just say this, the Babylonians loved this stuff. They were heavy, heavy into astronomy and into uh, the study of the straw, the straw, not straws, but the stars and you know, what we would call the modern day Zodiac. And really the, the origins of the Zodiac go back to an entire panorama of the presentation of the becoming Messiah. Uh, you know, you get, that got all mixed up with Greek mythology and, you know, all of these false zodiac signs. But there are original meanings of what we, if we could use the word zodiac, and the Babylon, Babylonians just, they just absolutely ate that up. That was an area of their expect, uh, 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 expertise. They were highly developed uh, in certain areas of math. And so they knew, they knew the day that that time had stopped and the sun had gone backwards. They, they, they were, oh, you better believe they're aware of that. And so that was a big thing with them. And so the envoys are wanting to also inquire about that wonder. See, this was a package deal. The wonder in the land, this wild prosperity that you're experiencing, Hezekiah, the, the sundial going back uh, 10 degrees, they were very, very curious about the wonder that was wrought in the land. And they had also heard that he was on the edge of death. And they're like, hey, what happened? You know, we, we had heard, you know, that you're just practically dead. The next thing we know, we're, you know, we're hearing you, you've recovered. So what's going on? How is this happening? Please explain this to us. Well, God raised me up. Well, Pastor Stephen, if you say that, nobody's going to believe that. Well, you sure better tell them. God heals your body. God does a miracle for you. doesn't matter if they understand it. You, be, you better tell them that Jesus did it for you. You sure better not be giving glory to the doctor when you know the doctors couldn't do it. Now that we, we thank God for the doctors, they tried to pamper you and take care of you, and they pumped you full of morphine to make you as comfortable as you could while you were dying. But when Jesus heals you, you sure better open your mouth and proclaim that it was Jesus that did it. Mm, mm, mm. Well, they're wanting to talk about that. Never forget what the healing evangelist Raymond T. Ritchie said. He said that divine healing is the dinner bell for the lost. And so they're the lost. They're the heathens. They're the Babylonians. I mean, even in the New Testament, the Babylonian culture or the system that operates in the earth is still identified as a 666 system ridden by the, you know, the, the, the harlots in red and the mark of the beast and all of that stuff as John the Revelator began to unveil. Wow, hallelujah. Well, hey, but, but divine healing, yeah, the Babylonians have an interest in that. What unbeliever who's sick doesn't have an interest in a God who can heal? What a marvelous opportunity for Hezekiah to lay it on them. A bunch of total pagans showing up on his turf in his court. What an opportunity to just unload heavy, validated signs and wonders that everybody knows that are real and genuine and just present it to these men and overwhelm these men with the goodness of the true and living God who is the source of all of these wonderful things that they're hearing about and are actually, you know, seeing with their own eyes. Hmm. Praise the Lord. But uh, Hezekiah is trying to, he's trying to be the cool cat. He's pulling back. He's trying to hang cool with them. And he gets in the flesh. And he doesn't even, he doesn't even get into this stream of the glory. He doesn't even 
uh, he just gets into the flesh and he doesn't give the glory to the Lord. Now, by the way, the the sign, the wonder that was done in the land, and I, I believe God can do all of these things in your land, a package deal. Um, you know, they're they're also they're amazed that. Let me say it like this: They're amazed that the Israeli football team beat the juggernaut, the unconquerable, indefeatable team with the world's best players, with the world's, at that time, number one army on the face of the earth, gigantic army that nobody has ever beaten before, and this little bitty group wins. Well, we, we, we know it's a supernatural victory. How can you take credit for something that God did. God sent the angel. The angel wiped out the the armies of Sennacherib. Now we must admit that there was some fierce prayer going on. I mean, Hezekiah is praying. When the king's praying, you know something serious. Um, Isaiah, heavyweight prophet, he's praying. I mean, he's praying hard. And the remnant is praying because the remnant is smart enough to know, go to Israel, go, excuse me, go to Jerusalem, because everybody else is going to get destroyed. So they're there in Jerusalem, but I tell you what, they're praying there in Jerusalem, and so God delivered them. And th- they, should, they should have enough insight to know, God has answered our prayers, but He's the one that answered, He's the one that did it, now let's give Him all the glory. And so the Babylonians are also just like, hey, you know, you guys are the, you're the champions now. And everybody's afraid of you. Nobody's going to like even throw a rock at you. You're, you guys are like lethal. You're toxic for warfare. Uh, nobody wants to come against you. And most likely, most likely, there was probably a uh, a covenant that was talked about. In other words, let's be allies because you know we're strong. You're strong. By the way. The Babylonians hated the Assyrians. So the, why? The Assyrians had conquered them and had suppressed them brutally. And now, now Babylon is getting their feet back. And they're like, hey, let's just come together so we can push Babylon completely out of here. Uh, excuse me, the Assyrians completely out of here. Whose headquarters was in the city of Nineveh, southern Iraq? Well, you know what? Here, here's the thing also I think Hezekiah was, was missing. Hezekiah, you don't need the Babylonians. Hey, where were the Babylonians um, when you're about to get crushed by Sennacherib and his army? Where were they at? Oh, they didn't help you out. They didn't do anything for you. So why, why do you think you need them now? Why would you even entertain a possible merger? What are they going to add to you? You, you, don't, you don't need to merge with them. If anything, they need what you have. They need what you have. What is it that you have? Jehovah God. Jehovah God. Hallelujah. Let, let me say this. The glory of the Lord is going to be seen upon the church. It's going to be seen upon the people of God. That means it's going to be seen upon you. And there's going to come a place where there are unsolvable problems in the world, and the only people with the solution are going to be the people of God, the church, the glory of the Lord upon you. It doesn't mean 
It certainly doesn't mean that we're arrogant. It doesn't mean that we're proudful. No, we'll be the most humble people on the face of the earth. But we'll also be very confident in our God because it is our God who is blessing us and that that is illuminating us in a world that is rife with sin. Let me say this, anytime there's sin, please listen to me if you're an unbeliever and you don't know who to serve. Anytime there's sin, I'm shouting this around the world, anytime there's sin, there's going to be heaps and heaps of sickness and disease. So if you want to live in sexual immorality, if you want to venture into areas of sexual sin that God said, no, it's wrong. And you think, well, I'm going to do it anyhow. You, I hope you've got a good doctor. You're going to need one. And if you wander into some areas where you get some of the diseases that medical science can't cure, just know that's not, that's not the blessing of the Lord. That is a product of the curse that comes with, with sin. And anytime there's a lot of sin, you'll find sickness and disease all over the place. It may look like a whole lot of fun is going on. Wait till the party's over and you go to the doctor and you get the checkup and you're like, uh oh, that's, I got a nasty one. Yep, you sure did. If you want to find healing, you'll find it only in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only way back to God the Father. He is the mediator, the only one who is the mediator between God and man. And if you want to get your life right with God, and you want to get your sins washed away so that you can be restored back into a right relationship with God, Jesus Christ is the only way. Call upon His name right now and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, my friends, the Lord withdrew while these ambassadors from Babylon talked with Hezekiah. He got, he got hot shot, got back into the hot shot mode, got back into the arrogant mode, and just showed off in the flesh, showed him everything. Showed him uh, all of his vaults, all of his money, and they're, they're sitting there uh, smacking their chops. And they're thinking, oh, wow. And they're, they're, probably, they're probably conversing later amongst each other saying, hey, the, Israel's too strong right now for us to take him out. Hezekiah, he's already an old guy. He's only got 50 more years. Just let him die. So as soon as he's dead, he's not going to have a strong leader who's going to come after him. And he didn't. He had a very rebellious son. So let's just hang out for 15 years. And we've seen all of the spoil. And as soon as he's off the scene, hit him and hit him hard and take everything they've got. Let's even take some of his sons and let's even castrate some of them and make them eunuchs in our court. Oh, Hezekiah, what were you doing? Why didn't you give the glory to the Lord? Why didn't you have the wisdom to guard and conceal areas of the blessing that they have no right to look into? They can see from a distance that you're blessed. You don't need to start opening up your, you know, say, hey, this is Fort Knox. Come on in, take a look, take pictures. And hey, you want to just run the numbers and count the bars? That's absolute, total foolishness. And as soon as they left, soon as they left, here comes the prophet. Sometimes when a prophet shows up, it's time to smile. You're going to get the word of the Lord. It's going to release a blessing. But if the prophet shows up and he's not smiling, 
Um, you failed the test. I hate to tell that to you. I don't, I, I don't want to be the guy that takes your paper and gets out here in America. We get out the red ink, the red pen, and we write F. Uh, Lord forbid that we actually write the percentage and we put like, yeah, you know, uh, 28. You failed it so bad. You, whoo, Lord have mercy. Mm -mm. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't good. The prophet said you blew it basically. And see, when a prophet is under anointing like that, he can release a blessing that can lift you into the next level. Or you can frustrate God, frustrate the anointing that's on the prophet, thus frustrate the prophet, and he, the word he gives you is a word that's not good, and it won't lift you. It just basically says, well, you blew it. Uh, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a, you know, it's kind of like Chinese food, like a sweet, sour pork uh, is sweet and sour at the same time. Uh, it's sour it's sour. Uh, hey, Hezekiah, there's major wrath now hanging over Israel, over, over Jerusalem and Judea because what you've done. Uh, it's sweet because it's not going to happen in your lifetime. And Hezekiah said, oh, it's a good word. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. At least in my lifetime, there's peace. There's peace and safety. Let's have a party. This is more than just this this is more than just like hey let's have some fun. Let's have let's get into the glory. Let's get into the miracles, let's get into the healing. Let's get into the deep walk with God. Let's get into face in face encounters with the resurrected Christ. Let's get out of the shallow water. Let's have some heavyweight blessing. Let's do things right. When God pulls us up and God blesses us, let's give Him all the glory. Let's also walk in wisdom and know that there's certain things that they don't need to know. One of the great mistakes Billy Graham said that he made was inviting all of the journalists to his house. Can you believe that? Billy Graham, the world's greatest evangelist, opened his house to a bunch of heathen journalists who mock God, don't know God, don't serve God, and don't believe in God. He invites them to his house, and they're all at his house, and out of the kindness of his heart, he says, ask me any questions you want. I, I, I just want to give you an open door, and uh, open my heart to you, and open my house to you. And uh, he answered every question they had. And they all smiled, and they all wrote, and they all took pictures, and they all recorded and they left. And he thought that was wonderful. We had a wonderful time, and now they'll understand that we really love them, and we want to see their hearts receive Christ, and they'll know that we're just good people, that we love them. A few days later, the, all, all the reporters came out with their articles, and they slandered him. They degraded him. They made him look like he's some kind of a crazy person. And it hit, hit, it hit him hard. And it took him a while behind the scenes to recover from that. And he said it was through, I'm, I'm smelling frankincense. There's a real anointing on what I'm, on what I'm sharing. He realized then that there are some people, no matter what you tell them, and how much you love them, and how much you try to get that across, they're just not going to receive it. So in light of that, and now him knowing that, 
It doesn't, you, you, you need to have carefully guarded sources. You need to have sources and you need to have certain things of your life, of your ministry and your personal life that are protected and guarded and doesn't anybody belong in your bedroom with a camera? Doesn't any outsider belong in, there's some people that don't even belong in your house. It's don't even open your door for them. Praise God, much less show them your, 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 your bedroom, your kitchen, or, I mean, Hezekiah showed them everything. Hezekiah said, what'd you, he went straight to the king, what'd you show them? I showed them everything. There wasn't anything in my kingdom that I didn't show them. Mm, okay, you failed the test. You failed the test. You, 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 you're a good guy, and God actually loves you, but you failed the test, and such blessing could have been released. My friends, in this hour, in this time, we need to get it right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's none of the world's business how much money you make. It's none of their, why, why do they want to know? How is that going to help them if you tell them? Hmm. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. A after all, they're, they're certainly not revealing their secrets to you, are they? Nope. They hide all kinds of stuff. Praise God. So, like Jesus said, a heart that is wise as a serpent, but at the same time, you're, you're, you're wise as a serpent, but you're harmless as a dove. You really do love people, you're sweet to people, and you're humble, and you love people. But the, there's a lot of stuff that Hezekiah showed them, absolutely he should have never shown them. They were just making an inventory of future plunder. Wow. Hmm. Lord, we give you praise. We give you praise today. Lord, we give you praise. God wants to make your life a wonder. He wants to do it so that He initiates curiosity among people who hear about you and want to know about the, quote, secret of your success. So envoys show up. Hey, how's it working? What's really going on here? How is all of this stuff working so beautiful in your life? Oh, Pastor Stephen, they're, they're not going to understand them, and they're not going to understand if I tell them God did it. Who cares if they understand it? Tell them anyhow. Maybe one day it'll sink in if they hear it enough. But one thing's for sure, you better not touch one bit of the credit for it. You really need to give all the glory to God for it, because it's all flowing from Him. It's originating from Him. He is the source of the blessing. Yes, He works through people, but it's God, it's God giving you favor in the eyes of those people that is causing that flow. He is the source of the stream or the river of blessing. Don't reveal. There's some of your blessings you're not supposed to reveal. Why? It's not going to inspire those on the outside. It's only going to make them jealous. It's not going to inspire them. It's going to irritate them, actually, with jealousy. So, um, while there is an element, there is, it's a balance of the Holy Spirit. There is a place where, yes, the Lord can show you off, and don't ever apologize for God's blessing in your life. But I think the balance is, is that you have to be humble. Don't ever be arrogant, because now, now you're in trouble. And if you're arrogant, the devil can hit you. He can get in there, because there's an open door. So, you're not going to apologize for God's blessings, but just stay humble. Something very interesting also, if you're humble, I really believe this, that if you're humble, there's certain types of persecution 
you can actually avoid. Why? You just fly, you fly beneath it. It's like a stealth it's like a stealth fighter plane. They can, uh, um, certain types of radar cannot pick it up. It bounces off of the stealth plane because of the angles of it and because of the type of material that that plane is coated with. And so the enemy can't even really pick you up. It doesn't mean you can fully escape maybe persecution or, you know, uh, criticism. But I think there are uh, certain types of persecution that we can avoid if we just stay humble because they can't even see us. Glory to God. They come, they, they show up to persecute you, uh, but you're so humble you've already left. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. That's something that the Holy Spirit helps us with. Praise the Lord. Lord, we give you glory and honor today. We give you praise. I want to pray for you because God wants to make your life a wonder that you are lit up with such brilliance of God that others know it and they see it. And that's what that word wonder really means. They came to see the wonder that was done in the land. Again, the word wonder, the Hebrew word mopeth. And it means miracles and wonders of beauty and splendor. Now I see God doing miracles and wonders of beauty and splendor in your life. Ooh, get ready. Get ready. It's going to draw, it's going to draw attention. But just give the Lord the glory. Give the Lord glory. I had a person one time asked me about my vehicle. I had a, ve- a vehicle. I'm in a different vehicle now. But I had a vehicle that was so unique. It was the only one within my zip code. It was the only one within my county. I think there were maybe only like two in the whole state. And I was the first one to get one. And because I got it so early and it was, so, there was, it was a limited edition, uh, it, it took, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't see another one for maybe six or eight months maybe even a year before another one began to show up. And it, 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 anywhere I drove it, it was just, it was a conversation starter. And um, uh, one, one time I went to go fill it up with gas. Anytime I would fill it up with gas, almost it was like uh, guys particularly would, would come and talk about it and ask me what, you know, what model it was. Was it, did I modify it or did it come stock like that? Because it, w- it was a hot vehicle. And this one man said, wow, that was, he said, that's an incredible, incredible um, vehicle you've got. He said, did you do those modifications or did it, did it come from the factory like that? I said, this one actually came from the factory with all of these upgrades, which is why it's tied in so well. They, they, they harmonized it and synced it just right. You know, you can add aftermarket stuff, then it looks cheesy or stupid. But because it was done by the, by the factory, I mean, it was, everything was dialed in. He said, it's a beautiful vehicle. I said, I said, thank you. I said, the Lord Jesus blessed me with this vehicle. He said, oh, I don't want to hear that. And he turned around and walked away. But, but see, here's the thing. He at least heard it. And that's why I'm driving something like that. Why? I'll tell people about it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor Stephen, I, 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 don't, want, I don't want to ever have anybody say anything bad against me. Hmm. Can I let you in on a little secret? Some of them are already talking about you. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. You just, so, so you might as well go ahead and live for the Lord. Because there are already people talking about you anyhow. Because you're never ever going to be able to please everybody. Nobody can. Nobody on the face of the earth can please everybody. 
So you might as well just go ahead and live for the Lord. Make up your mind. Be resolute. Don't be wishy-washy like King Hezekiah. A great guy, but he did not ever get to the top of the apex of where God wanted him to get to. Great potential, but he didn't make it. Was he a good king? Yes. Did he see some great miracles? Yes. But uh, he could he could have seen a lot more. So I'm just prophesying over you. You're going to pass the test. You're going to give God the glory for right where you're at right now, and you're going to go higher. And when you get higher, don't think, oh, that's it. Now I've reached it. I would probably suggest there's still major levels that God would want to get you into. So um, just keep climbing with the Lord. Give Him all the glory. Pass that test. I need to let you know. I need to. Let, I feel like I feel like a um, a school supervisor. I need to let you know there's a test coming up. Please be aware spiritually of it. And when the envoys show up, start inquiring. Please make sure you know what to do. Give them all the glory. Uh, excuse me. Give God all the glory. Also, at the same time, don't overtell. Don't. Some things about your life are supposed to be hidden. They don't need to know that. They don't need. They're not worthy or deserving of knowing that. And if you do reveal that, you could. Um, you could get slimed. Don't, don't, don't let certain people into your house who are going to mock the nice paintings you have on the wall just because they're oil painting and they don't have one and they think, oh, who, yeah, but he, who do you think you are with oil paintings? Well, if, if that's the attitude you have, you can't come into my house. Praise the Lord, because I have nice oil paintings. Some of them have been prophetically given to me. Some of them have been bought. And they were well worth the price. Hallelujah. They're all paintings, by the way, that glorify the Lord. Praise God. But you, you want to be very careful who you give close, intimate access to. Don't let the wrong people in there. Don't let Babylon into your heart. Mm. You're just not going to find, you're not going to find good symbolism or imagery with anything associated with Babylon. Don't let it into the close areas of your heart or your house or your life your ministry, or your church, or your family. Mm. God, we give you praise. Oh, God, we give you praise. Please lift your hands, Heavenly Father. I speak blessing, supernatural protection over your people. There's a time to be quiet. May they know that. There's a time to talk, but also not to talk too much. May they know that, as if an angel were putting his finger over their lips with the international symbol of, be silent, don't, don't, don't talk too much. Thank you, Father, when the Babylonian envoys show up, may that wisdom of the just be given to your people, not to talk too much, to give you praise, to give you glory, to, to say, look what the Lord has done, uh, but, but not to maybe reveal some things that are guarded sources that God wants, Father, that you want guarded. Father, now release, release that wisdom and strength that even the Apostle Paul asked his partners, pray that I would have boldness. Something, something that can, we could be so cowardly, oh God, if you don't strengthen us. So Father, let us be strong. Strengthen your people with boldness. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that person asking you that question about your blessing, maybe they're not asking to grill you. Maybe they're, they're, maybe they're not asking to, uh, to maybe try to set you up to try to like put you down. Maybe they're asking because 
they're a fellow Christian, and they want to hear testimony. And the last thing that they want to hear you is you apologizing for it. Hallelujah. Be ready to give a defense for, the, for your faith in the gospel and for the goodness of God in your life. Glory to God. Now, Father, we seal this prayer of protection. Thank you. We, uh, we thank you. Thank you. Test preparation. Test preparation. You're almost ready for your test. And that's when you put away your notes. And that's when God withdraws His presence and you operate on principle. Be strong! Because you're going to get promoted to a new level. In the name of Jesus, amen. We, we must take communion together. It's very important. Please grab some unleavened bread and some grape juice. Let us take communion together. If you're a believer in Christ, please, I want to invite you to celebrate communion with me today. As we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes, as we proclaim the power of the cross and the identity of who we are in Christ through the crucified life, losing our lives that we may find it, we celebrate the Lord Jesus, our resurrected Savior. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. We consecrate it and sanctify it. Through this prayer of faith, this is now the body of Jesus and the sacred blood of Jesus. Father, we thank You for His body. We thank You for His promises, that all of His promises are yes and amen. Father, let us be ready. Let us study, study, study to show ourselves approved, a workman that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And Father God, let us pass every test that may come our way. We thank You for grace. We ask You for strength in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Let's receive. Praise God. Praise the Lord. You'll know what to do. The Holy Spirit will help you. You'll know what to do. You're going to know what to do. You're going to pass the test. Father, we thank You for the blood of Jesus. We thank You for forgiveness of all sins. If there's particularly, Father God, any pride or arrogance that would need to be addressed today in, in the lives of those that would be watching, uh, let there just be repentance right now. And Father, let the blood flow, cleansing, washing. With some of you, God's had a lot of mercy, and He's actually spared you uh, from certain things hitting you because you love Him, and he, He's been very merciful to you. But you need to walk in humility. You need to walk in humility, because if you're persistent in pride, the enemy's going to get a shot through at you. Uh, he's going to get an, a, a fiery arrow through eventually. So walk in great humility, and enjoy the great blessings of God. So Father, we thank You that Your mercies are new every morning. We receive forgiveness of sins. We receive cleansing from all unrighteousness. And we give You praise, Father, for the Holy Blood of Jesus. We receive it now, in His glorious, beautiful name. Amen. Let us drink together. Praise the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Before we conclude today's message, let me remind you some good news. Our Pure Gold television program, which so many of you sewed into, is now airing. It's on the ISN, the It's Supernatural Network. Uh, the ISN, of course, is run under the, the wonderful ministry of my dear friend Sid Roth. You can watch it on YouTube, or you can watch it there at It's Supernatural, because it's live. It's 24 hours a day, the network is. And my program airs on Thursday, every Thursday. It airs at 4.30 in the morning. It airs at 12.30 lunchtime, 
and it airs at 8.30 in the evening. Those are all Eastern times. Again, 4.30 Eastern time in the morning, 12.30 p.m. noontime Eastern, and 8.30 at night Eastern time, all on Thursday, three times on Thursday. You can go and watch the programs. You can be blessed. You can be built up. And so we thank God that the Pure Gold program is moving forward and expanding, and the gospel is being preached. Thank you for being a part of that. I hope you enjoyed the show. And my friends, be blessed today. You're going to pass the test. You are going to the next level. Praise God.